Thank you for tuning in to Catch the Fire Boulder, where we're more than a church. We're family. Today's message is brought to you by Pastor Steve Owings. If you would like to find out more information about this podcast or other resources, go to ctfboulder.com. It's hard to keep track of when things happen around here. But because God's always doing, uh, he's always doing great things and just, uh, now this is ringing a little bit, Josh. So God is always doing great things. And I, I think sometimes we just don't realize how far we end up ahead of the curve sometimes. But uh, those of you that have been here some, it's still ringing. So if you want to turn it down, maybe roll a little bit of highs off. Uh, Doug and Deb Ford that run the, uh, the resurrection, uh, the counseling center down on Colfax, on East Colfax Restoration Ministries. Deb uh, has been coming. They've been coming a lot on Wednesday night. They have their own church with homeless people on Sunday morning uh, down on East Colfax. But Deb was seen every time she came to the church for several months now. Every one of these sound panels around here, there were camels coming out of the, there were camels coming right out of the sound panels and they were adorned like royal camels and they had these big chests strapped down on their backs. And she said so many times during worship, they would just start coming out of all these sound panels and she was just like, I don't know what this means. I don't know if I'm just seeing stuff. I don't know if I'm overly tired. And then finally, she told us that she'd been seeing these all the time. And uh, the, the camels were really just representing provision. And it was kind of interesting because this week, Christy was listening to a uh, prophetic person from Australia. And they were saying, God is sending camels to churches all over the world that is bringing provision. <laughs> and I was thinking, all right, they're just getting this last week and this has been happening here for months or at least uh, what is going on. And I don't know if any of you, if you just pay attention sometimes to the children, like this morning when uh, Jacqueline was up here sharing, uh, some of the very minute that a lot of people probably don't notice, but Little Jocelyn came over and she was standing here and she looked at Jacqueline and she just looked up and she almost dropped her flag. And then she was kind of backing up, looking up like this. See, I, I think we don't realize that we're always, we're entertaining angels unaware. We're, we're, we're entertaining angels and that's just not a scripture. I mean, I'm talking about it's a very physical thing. And we need to understand that, uh, you know, when, when we're in those moments of worship, you could tell that God was doing something. Uh, my wife's still asleep on the floor. <laughs> but this morning, I just wanted to share uh, about our foundation. In the, the book of Job, uh, Job's friend Elihu, he pro, he's proclaiming God's majesty. And he says, at this also my heart trembles and leaps out of place. Keep listening to the thunder of his voice and the rumbling that comes from his mouth. 
And under the whole heaven, he lets it go. And the lightning to the corners of the earth. And after his voice roars, he thunders with a majestic voice. And he does not restrain the lightning that is in his voice when his voice is heard. God thunders wondrously with his voice. He does great things that we cannot comprehend. For the snow says, fall on the earth, and likewise to downpour his mighty downpour. He seals up the hand of every man and all men whom he may know, so all men may know it. Then he beats into their, their lairs and remains in their dens. And from the chambers come the whirlwind and the cold from the scattering winds. And by the breath of God's ice is given and the broad waters are frozen fast. He loads the thick clouds with moisture and the clouds scatter with his lightning. They turn around and around by his guidance to accomplish all that he commands on the face of the habitable world. Whether for the correction or for his land or for love, he causes it to happen. Hear this, O Job, and stop and consider the wondrous works of God. Do you know how God lays his command upon them because the lightning of his clouds to shine? Do you know the balancing of the clouds and the wondrous work of him who perfects, who is perfect in knowledge? whose garments are hot when the earth is still because of the south wind. Can you, like him, spread out the skies hard as a cast metal mirror? Teach us what we shall say to him. We cannot draw up our case because of the darkness. Shall it be told that I would speak? Did a man ever wish that he would be swallowed up? And now... No one looks on the light when it is bright in the skies and when the wind has passed and cleared them. For out of the north comes a golden splendor and God is clothed with awesome majesty. The Almighty, we cannot find him. He is great in power and in justice and in abundance, in abundant righteousness, and he will not violate. Therefore men fear him and he does not regard any who are wise in their own conceit. You know, I think sometimes we really forget what, what Elihu was telling Job is, Job was complaining, people around him were complaining, his friends were complaining, saying, why are you still following this God? Nothing is going right in your life. Why are you still following God? Everything you've worked for has been taken from you. And, and his wise friend Elihu starts telling him, you know, you got to look at who God is. I think so many times, like I've been saying, we give credit to the enemy, and you know what? I get tired of hearing people say, well, this is just a battle. This is just a battle. You know, when you're pressing into God, the battle comes. You know what? When you're pressing into God, the battle comes. Why? Because we start pulling back the curtain. And you know what? When you pull back the curtain, you're opening a spiritual door. But I got to tell you, God isn't going to let you open any door that you're not meant to conquer everything that's on the other side of that door. That's what Elihu is telling him. You know what? You got to realize who can stretch out the sky? Who controls the clouds? 
Who can make it snow? Who can make it rain? Who can make it bright? Who can put that rainbow in the sky? It's only God. We seem to think that God doesn't understand what's going on with us. And I really believe Elihu is going beyond what we can see with our temporal eyes. You know what? If you don't think God doesn't know that you need a job or a better job, if you spend all your time complaining and giving the enemy credit for holding you back, you know what? You're just closing the door on what God's trying to do in your life. Elihu was just trying to tell Job, stand on the foundation, stand on the very thing of who God is. You got to understand is he knows the end from the beginning and we're focusing. I mean, in reality, when you take that 10,000 foot view, we're focusing on something that's microscopic and God's focused on this and we're part of this, but we keep all of our focus on this one little tiny microscopic thing. Do you realize that this whole COVID thing worldwide, it's microscopic in comparison to what's really going on in the natural world? And I mean, we can all shake our heads and agree, but the, the reality is, is we let it stop us. We let it affect us. And I'm not saying you, you can't respect, I'm not saying just abandon everything, but I'm going to tell you, you can't let something that microscopic in the big scheme of things stop you from moving forward in God. You can't let the fact that somebody at some point in time hurts you stop you from walking into what God's called you to do. You can't let the fact that somebody let you down or some church did something or some person did something. You can't let any of those things stop you. We're, we're called to move forward and to walk into the fullness of what God has for us. And I got to tell you is God has a plan. He has a destiny for each and every one of us. And the only thing that can stop us from moving into that destiny is ourselves. The person whose picture is right above your bathroom sink. That's the only person that can stop you from moving into the fullness God has. And, and if we let our circumstances stop us, then that's our choice. Because you know what? God knows the end from the beginning. God isn't going to put you in a situation that you can't overcome. He's never going to put you in a situation that, that we just got to stop and take a step back and realize that he's in control. I love this part by by his friend because his friend is just saying let's look at the bigger things in life you're trying to control what people think or say about you or what your boss says or what the news says or what you're trying to control all these things around you and you're trying to weave into what everybody else is talking but you need to understand is that God is in total control and you don't even know how the clouds move in the sky and you're trying to control a person. And you've got to realize that the way the clouds move in the sky and when God speaks, the thunderous voice. If you're not hearing God's voice, I mean, over and over, it says his voice is like thunder. But we seem to put barriers in our ears. We put blocks in our ears and we block out that frequency. And then we say, why isn't God talking to us? Because we're spending all this time talking and telling God what's wrong and telling God all of our problems and telling God what's going on in our life, acting like the creator of the universe doesn't already know. 
I know you're kind of busy up there, but you know, I really need a job. I really need my marriage saved. I really need this. I really need this. And he's not a genie in a bottle. You know, when he's telling us to ask and receive, he's telling us to ask according to his will, according to what the scripture says. In that vein, when, when Christy and I were, were, were first married, we tried forever to get pregnant. And we had all kinds of people that prayed for us and nothing happened. And, and there was this, this man at the church we got saved at. And uh, several years prior to us arriving there, there were several men. And I know there's not very many competitive people around here, so... They just challenged each other, and I don't remember what the exact thing was, but like, let's do something simple. Let's just all memorize Psalms 119 word for word. <laughs> and I don't remember the exact scripture they started with, but it was a big one like that, that nobody would ever want to memorize the whole thing. Well, guess what? That competition grew and grew and grew, and Terry Rife memorized the whole entire scripture in the King James Version. And so they started out with a lot of people, and then it was down to just a handful. It was less than 10. Well, at the end of the day, he had memorized the scripture in three different versions, cover to cover. He wrote a whole book on vocabulary so you could read the vocabulary book and it would teach you words that you had to understand before you read a book of the Bible and he would come up with like 20 or 30 words that you needed to understand that book and he would teach you the definition but with all that being said is Terry one day said can I pray for you guys have a baby and we were standing in the foyer of the church and he started in Genesis and he quoted over us every single scripture from Genesis to Revelation where somebody either had a baby or they were barren and they were proclaimed over every single one. And that was the whole prayer. He didn't have to add anything. Oh, if it's your will. He just prayed and he just recited scripture after scripture. And, you know, we were kind of new Christians and we're standing there and. Literally, like 45 minutes, an hour later, he's still going. Non-stop, no book, no notes. He just has his hands on us and he's praying. And his prayer was nothing more than reciting the scripture over our lives. And the next thing you know, we're having a baby. You think God didn't know? What Terry did is, Terry didn't beg God. He didn't point out the obvious. He just said, God, this is what your word says, and this is who you are, and I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what doctors say. I don't care about anything. All I care about is your word, and this is what your word says, and this is how you acted in all these other times, so you're going to provide for me. So how many people in here right now could honestly say that in some way, shape, or form, You've lost a significant portion of your life, either your job, your finances, marriage, children, due to sickness, due to anything. How, how many can honestly say you have? 
Because see, you know what? I can guarantee you, you didn't lose as much as Job. I, 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 I cursory know every single person in the room. There's nobody that lost all of their children, all of their cattle, all of their homes, and was laying in the ground, scraping boils off their skin with pottery shards. And I, I don't agree with that when you're down and out, just read that and say, oh, I guess I'm really not that bad. But the fact is, we're really not that bad. And I got to tell you, is if God did that for Job, it's super simple. God's going to do that for you. Why? Because he cares just as much about you as he did for Job. He cares just as much about each and every one of you as he did for Job. God has the perfect will. God has the perfect plan for our lives. And, and we need to go in and reset that EQ in our head and start queuing in to listening to God and not listening to the loudest voice. We need to be able to shut our eyes and not concentrate on what's right before our eyes, but concentrate on what God is saying. What did Jesus say? I only do what the Father tells me to do. That's all I do. And if you want to know the answer to the question of whatever you're facing, you just need to stop, quit talking, and listen to what God has to say about it. You know, we have a great advantage. You know what? When we pray in the Spirit, when we pray in tongues, it's Spirit to Spirit. And when it's Spirit to Spirit, you know what? If we pray in tongues then we're just praying exactly what God wants us to pray. And the crazy part is, is we don't know what we're praying for, and so we can't go into it with a mindset is, I'm praying for a job, and God wants to break through something else. See, when we're just praying, if you just spend time praying and, and just letting God be in control, you're going to see the walls come down. Why? Because we're not praying by our own understanding. I think that's so key. Think about the disciples. They walked with Jesus all that time. They were there. They firsthand saw what he did. They were there. They experienced it. A lot of times they did it themselves side by side with him. We say, boy, if I could just see that, then I'd believe. But you know what? They didn't believe. They still complained about, you know, they see all these miracles. They're out of place. He's teaching and breakthroughs coming. The Father's raining down on people. They're getting absolutely rocked, thousands of people. And what of his disciples? Instead of rejoicing about what God's doing, hey, we got to get rid of these people because we don't have the money to feed them. Isn't that what we do? God's breaking out and we're all of a sudden worried about how are we going to feed them? And Jesus is kind of like, well, of course, if, if that's really going to be a problem, let me show you how easy that's solved, you know? Just bring me a couple loaves and some fish. And we're not even talking Wonder Loaves. We're not talking those, you know, we're not talking the Subway eight-foot subs. I'm just talking about these were rolls, rolls and fish. 
And he multiplies it and he feeds everybody and then they bring back baskets full that are way, way, way more of leftovers. But just think about that story. The next thing they do is they get into a boat and they start to leave. Well, Jesus is asleep on the boat and what do they do? They start screaming, we're going to die. Now just a couple hours before you were there and you got baskets full of food that were multiplied right before your very eyes. And now you're going to complain you're going to die? And we can laugh about that, but that's what we do. We get a breakthrough in God. God starts moving. God starts coming through. And the next thing you know, we're like, oh, God, you don't understand. And he's saying, my child, I understand. You're just not listening. But you don't understand. No, you're not listening. You're listening to the wrong voices. You're, you're, you're listening with your eyes. You're listening with your emotions. You're listening with what's going on all around you. There's no longer a time to listen with our circumstances. We, we got to take off those glasses. We got to throw them away. And we need to start hearing what God is saying. God is not telling us just to run out in the middle of the street and try and stop traffic. When God is telling us stuff, he's put us in a family so that we can go do it together. He's put us in places where we can build up each other. He's put us in places where we can stand. I can tell you honestly, it's easy to pray for somebody that has stage three cancer when they're not related to you. You can see person after person healed when it's not related to you. But you know what? When it's your wife or your child, I guarantee you the whole motivation and the whole thrust of our prayers change. And it's not with the same authority and the same believing that we had when we were praying for somebody. People always say, how come all that stuff, only, all these miracles only happen in other countries? Well, you know what? It happens in other countries. Why? Because it's easy to pray for somebody when you don't speak their language and you're probably never going to see them again in the rest of your life. So you can go and you can pray full on. Why? Because I'm not going to be accountable. Well, you know what? You're not accountable anyway. We need to have that faith every day. And we say, why doesn't it happen where we're at? It doesn't happen where we're at because we don't pray with the same faith. Well, we're, not, we're not walking in the same faith as we are when we're, when we're there and when we're here. It's two totally different dimensions. After his friend Elihu says this, the Lord answers Job. And then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkens the counsel by words without knowledge? I think, you know, we don't have time to go into all of it, but I think it's very interesting that God answers Job out of a tornado. 
I mean, that's literally what the word means. It's like a Texas twister. It's like those ones that go across Kansas that take whole towns and just throw them through the air. And those words he's speaking out of that tornado is, who is this that darkens counsel by the words without knowledge? See, God is telling Job, I'm going to come in with just my voice and I'm going to tear down everything you're believing. And then you know what we do when he comes in and he tears down everything we're believing? He's not tearing down the good stuff. He's not taking away. He's taking away what we don't need. But what we end up doing is we go out there and we get on our hands and knees and we pull out tweezers and we start trying to glue every little stick together of the building that he just tore down. We start trying to piece everything back together and then we hold it against God for tearing it down when God was trying to tear it down because it was hindering us from going forward in what he has for us. See, his voice came in like a tornado, like a whirlwind. He goes on and says, dress for action like a man and I will question you and you will make it known to me. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? Or what was its basis sunk? Who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Who laid the cornerstone in what God was doing? You know, he comes in like this whirlwind. He wants to tear down what's going on in our life. Why? Because he knows what's best for us. He knows absolutely what's best for us. He knows the end from the beginning. You know what? When he comes in like a whirlwind and he tears stuff down in our life, he isn't tearing us down to punish us. He's tearing it down so that we can be bettered. How many of us have kids that have had friends that you really didn't want them around because they were causing problems? Now, were you trying to remove your children from being around those friends because you hated them? Or because you wanted to punish them? Or because you wanted to do them harm? No, you didn't. How much more is our Heavenly Father looking out for us? I think when God was answering when God was answering what was going on, he was answering in a way of saying, you know what? Not only do you not know all this stuff, but the fact is, if you really think you know it, who was there when I created the earth? Was that you? Can you even tell me what the foundations are laid upon? Can you even read the blueprints and understand the dimensions of what I've done? And that isn't only on a grand scheme. It's literally, I believe God was telling Job, can you believe the dimensions of the foundations I've laid for you personally? 
Do you really think something can tear down what I've given to you? If God's given us something, there is nothing in heaven or earth that can tear it down other than us walking away from it because God's not one of those people that's going to give us something and take it away. He's going to give us something and we have to make a conscious choice to walk away from what he's given us. And even then, it's always there waiting for us to come back to. Just let that sink in for a minute. In Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 43, Jesus says, You will never find a fruit hanging on a bad or unhealthy tree. And rotten fruit does not hang on a good, healthy tree. See, Jesus is teaching in parables. He's, he's teaching something they can understand. I got to tell you is when the whole social media thing, oh my gosh. Now that people have all this extra time on their hands and they're not worried about life and death now, everybody's trying to tell you how many angels can dance on the head of a pen and they all have an answer. But people are pulling some scriptures out and they're just going to town uh, in, in whole different realms. But you know what? You're never going to find choice fruit hanging on an unhealthy tree. I really say, you know, this scripture does ring so true to me when, when people are just talking, 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 talking about their understanding of the scripture. And all you have to do is look at the fruit that their ministries have. If the fruit their ministry has is fear and intimidation and you know, it's not about that. God, God is love. Yes. And, and God, wants to, God wants to see us bring change into people's lives. He doesn't want us to bring condemnation. You know what? We don't have to remind people how much they're sinning. We don't have to remind people of all their pitfalls. We don't have to remind people that they're alcoholics or that they're liars or that they're cheaters or they're not dressing right or they smoke or they drink or they do drugs. We don't have to remind them of that. They're looking for hope to get out of that hole. And our job is not to stand up and remind them of that. Our job is to see them walk through and become all God's called them to be. Our, God, our job is to equip saints to do the work of the ministry. Our job is to be an encouragement. That's one of the things if you've been watching on Wednesday or if you've been here on Wednesday, you got to understand is the prophetic as a whole is nothing about condemnation or revealing sin. It's all about encouragement and edification. It's all about building people up to walk in the fullness that God has for them. And people that are using it otherwise, that's not good fruit. That's bad fruit and it's on a bad tree. And those trees need to be replanted in the right orchard or they need to be tore down because they're just doing damage to the body of Christ. Every tree will be revealed by the quality of fruit it produces. Figs or grapes will never be picked off of a thorn tree. People are known 
People are known in this same way. Out of the virtues stored in their hearts, good and upright people will produce good fruit. But out of the evil hidden, out of the evil hidden in their hearts, evil ones will produce what is evil. And the overflow of what has been stored in your heart will be seen by your fruit and will be heard in your words. I mean, Jesus was just cutting right to the chase. And he was saying, people that are people that are that are banging on the law and people that are saying, you know what, when I was first saved, the church I went to. Everybody at the church said men can't have long hair and go to heaven. Well, I had hair down the middle of my back. There was two people at a whole church of 5000 families that had long hair. And I had ushers and elders tell me every single solitary week more than once that I couldn't go to heaven unless I got a haircut. People offered me, I'll give you $100 and take you down and pay for your haircut. You're such a good guy, you need to go to heaven. That isn't actually why I cut my hair. I cut my hair years later because God, one day, we were at a conference in Oklahoma and God told me to. And so I went and I cut my hair. And then the hard part was finding somebody that would cut my hair. <laughs> I went in and said, hey, I want to get all this cut off. And the lady goes, I'm not doing it. <laughs> Had to get somebody else. But what I'm saying is, out of our hearts, and it isn't those people who are evil people, but you know what? They were focused on an outward appearance. They were focused. They weren't seeing what God was seeing. You know, I had people tell me all the things I needed to change in my life. But on the flip side, I also had people that would come up because I worked at the church. They would show up at all hours of night because I worked a, a swing shift. They would show up all hours of night and said, God spoke to me and this is what he said about you. God spoke to me and this is what he said you're gonna do. And you know what? I didn't know anything about anything. I had never been in church in my life. I was in my 20s and all of a sudden people are coming up saying, you're gonna have a church. And later on, I mean, I've shared this before, but later on, there were elders just a few years back that we were with, and they said, wow, I can't believe you're doing all this stuff around the world because we were just happy when you got saved, but we never thought you were going to amount to anything. <laughs> and they honestly told me that sitting across the table from me, but you know what? They were just speaking out of the truth is they didn't see any hope. Why? Because they weren't looking through God's eyes. They were looking through their own eyes and they knew that I was an alcoholic and they knew that I was a drug addict and they knew that I had been divorced and they said, you can never be good for anything. And they were looking on the outside, but you know what? God saw my hair and God saw my past and God saw all my failures and God saw everything evil I had done. But you know what? It was all wiped away in a moment. And you know what? No matter what scriptures you pull out, it doesn't matter because I'm not that man. You can point those scriptures at that dead man all you want. And if you want to go beat somebody with a Bible, go to that tombstone and you go have fun because you know what? 
God had a plan for my life and it just took me listening to what he had to say. And I had to sort through the people I was going to listen to and the people I didn't. And the people I listened to were the ones that had good fruit. The people I would listen to were the ones where you seen their children and grandchildren were blessed. And without even realizing what I was doing, except with that 2020 hindsight is, you start looking back and you go, wow. You know, Terry Reif never came and prayed over people like he did Christy and I. I had never once seen him pray over somebody for 45 minutes to an hour and just quote scripture over him. But you know what? He used to show up at the church all the time and pray over me and say, you know what? I've been at home praying for you and this is what God said. And he'd write it down because he goes, I know this isn't going to mean anything to you <laughs> today. But I'm speaking this, I'm speaking this wind in your sails. We got to overcome the evilness in our heart because that's what's going to come out. We got to stop condemning. What good, is it, what good does it do for you to say, I am your Lord and master if what I teach you is not put into practice? Ouch. How many people do we run into that, you know, it, it really breaks my heart that people go from conference to conference to conference to conference to conference just to be in the middle of what God's doing. And then, you know, I'm just like anybody else. I love being at a conference. I, I love getting in touch. I, I love when I get called out of a room and God gives you a powerful prophetic word. I love when, when things happen. But you know what? If you don't do anything with it, it's worthless. Ooh, God touched me. I got this great word. And then you go on to the next place. Oh, this is what God's doing in worship. And this is what God's doing in healing. And this is what God's doing in prayer. And this is what God's doing over here. And, and the enemy loves it when we stay in those circles. Because there's a whole bunch of psychotic people that stay in the same circles. And they run from place to place to place. Whether it be around the world. Or whether it be around the city. Or no matter where it is. They run from place to place to place. To see the new greatest thing God is doing. But they're not making an impact on one unsaved person. You know what God hates? God hates the person that gets one word. And then takes that word. And prays into it. And goes out and builds a house. And then builds a high rise on what God spoke over them. The enemy does not like the fact when you get a word that God has set you free and you actually start walking in freedom. One of my deep hearts cry and it always has been and it's. Some people say it's great, but then when they're exposed to it, they don't think it's so great. But I really want to see people walk in the fullness of what God has for them. And people say, oh, that's what I've been wanting. That's what I've been wanting. And sometimes you go to thrust them out. And the next thing you know, they're like, whoa, <laughs> I'm going to go someplace else. You want too much out of me. I don't want anything out of you. I want you to be who God called you to be. 
And you know what? If, if God called you to be that, then I want to make a way. I'm going to do everything within my power to empower you to be all God's called you to be. And even if that means going someplace else, I don't really care. And I don't take that personal because why? It's just the part. You're going to come here and you're going to get something and you're going to move into what God has for you. Or you're going to be paired with other people and you're going to move into what God has for you. But you know what? We need to move together. There's much more power in a multitude. And there's safety in moving in, in, in a family. And it isn't always rosy. It isn't always perfect. But Jesus says, what good does it do for you to say, I'm your Lord and master when what I teach you is not practiced? When it's not put into practice. God is telling you that by his stripes you're already healed. Why isn't everybody we pray for healed? I have no idea. But you know what? That doesn't mean I'm going to stop praying for sick people. Why, how come I go out and share the gospel, share the gospel, share the gospel, and nobody gets saved? Or they just say a prayer and we never see them again. I don't know why, but I'm still not going to stop sharing the gospel. Verse 47, he says, let me describe to you the one who truly follows me and does what I say. He is like a man who chooses the right place to build his house and then lays a deep and secure foundation. And when the storms and the floods rage against that house, it continues to stand strong, unshaken, though the tempest, for it has wisely been built on the right foundation. But the one who heard my teaching and does not obey it is like a man who builds a house without laying any foundation whatsoever. And when the storms and the flood rage against that house, it will immediately collapse and become a total loss. Which of these two builders will you be? You know what? You can tell, and I'm just talking about self-reflection here. I'm not talking about condemning anybody. I'm talking about self-reflection. You can stop and you can look at what you're built on because when the floods come, when the things come against you, when everything starts turning wrong, when, you're, when your children aren't obeying and your marriage is going into shambles, when you're caught up in addiction, when things aren't going right, when you don't have a job or you have a horrible boss, when all those things are going on, does it ruin your whole world? Do those storms come in and knock you down? Do they tear down your walls? If they do, then you're built on the wrong foundation. And I'm not saying that in a condemning way. I'm saying that in an encouraging way is we need to step up and we need to build on the right foundation. We need to build on Christ. We need to go by what his word says and we need to stand on that. And sometimes just like others, when you're standing up the walls on a house, they have to put some little two by fours out to hold it up until... They get the other walls all connected until they get some siding on there, until they get some bricks on the outside, until they fortify it. And you know what? That's what the body's about. It doesn't even have to be a permanent thing. 
Sometimes we just need to be propped up. Sometimes we just need to, to be in the right place. We just need to be built according to the plans that were laid out in heaven for us. God has so much for each and every one of us. Just like I said last week, a lot of you weren't here last week, you were on vacation. I'm not against vacation at all. I'm actually, I'm a pro-vacation guy. But, you know, we can choose to listen to every report the news has to say, or we can choose to do what God says. There was a pestilence going to come in Egypt and all the firstborn were going to die. Why? Because Pharaoh declared it out of his own mouth. But even though it was on every single person in the land, when the children of Israel stopped and they listened, God just said, hey, if you take a lamb and you use a doorpost, then it's not going to happen to anyone in your house. And guess what? It didn't. But it happened everywhere else. When we make a stand, you don't need to make a stand and be rebellious. You just need to make a stand and be different. And you don't need to make a stand to say, oh, look at how great I am or look how great my God is. You just need to make a stand so people come to you and say, how come you were able to walk through this? How come you were able to come out to the other side? What is so different? How come everybody else is all rattled, but yet you're calm? Why? Because when you're built on the right foundation, you don't have to worry. Down in Miami, the houses that are built hurricane-proof, if their house is built for 150-mile-an-hour winds, they're not as scared as the people that are there in mobile homes, let me tell you. The mobile home people are getting as far away as they can because they know that home could instantly become a projectile. That doesn't mean that people are going to necessarily stay in their home that's made for 150 mile an hour winds, but they know when they come back, their house is still going to be standing. Why? Because it's built on the right foundation. They took everything into consideration and they didn't care what the cost was. They built it. Why? Because they were building something with permanence to it. That's the way God wants us to be. I don't think my wife got much sleep last night. How many of us need need to redo our foundations? I mean, we're in a we're, we're in a place where we're not we're not walking in the fullness of what God has. I would virtually say probably every single person in this room is not walking in the fullness of what God has. We're walking in a portion, some of us. Some of us are skirting on the edge. Some people are maybe in ankle deep, but God is saying, you know what? It's time to go in all in. Are you ready to step out where 
Not only is it 20 foot deep and not only can you not touch, are you ready to be put in the rapids and wished down at 20 foot deep water where you're not gonna be able to touch? Are you ready to be in a place where God's gonna take you someplace that you never dreamed or imagined, but you're gonna have a peace about it, no matter how much the storm rages, you're gonna have a peace about it. Why? Because you're gonna know it's God that put you there. You're gonna know that he's there to carry you. He's there to keep your head above water. It doesn't matter if you get splashed. It doesn't matter if there's rocks or waterfalls ahead. He is in total control and he's gonna protect you the whole way. I just want you to think this morning and if that's what you want in your life, you you can recognize exactly where you are and God already knows that. But if that's you, I just want you to be bold and just stand up where you are now and just come forward and we're not going to have the ministry team come up and pray for you. This is a time between you and God. And you're just saying, God, that's me, and I need breakthrough, and I want to rebuild these foundations. I want to shore up these foundations. I want to see that change come in my life where I can walk in the fullness of what you've called me to be, who you've called me to be, and what you've called me to do. Thank you so much for tuning in with us today. If you would like to find out more about who we are, you can find that at ctfboulder.com. If you haven't already, please make sure to follow us on all of our other social media platforms, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Spotify. We post different content on each platform, and we want you guys to stay as updated as possible. We have so much love for you guys. God bless.